Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel the 12th chapter. Uh, I've used this passage uh, on several different occasions um, uh, at uh, funeral services uh, because it has uh, tremendous application and yet it's not just a funeral service, but kind of maybe sort of if we really come to understand that you know, in order for us to experience the life that God wants us to have, we've got to really die to self and allow Christ to be our life. Uh, I got up this morning. Of course, it was cloudy, a little misty and all that stuff. And it just uh, is relentless. I mean, uh, as far as the weather we're having. But anyhow, I you know, got up and was getting ready. We went into the bathroom to get ready to come to church and looked out. Uh, you know, our big windows in our bathroom, and, and there's like four deer, two of them bedded down, uh, and a couple of them just eating all my ivy out there, which is good, you know, I've got tons of it. But they're like as close for me to you, you know. And, and, and of course, you know, my country brain, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I've done absolutely nothing for those deer to be right there. And they just feel right at home, they're there, and I go back and I think about all the work that we do in order to have deer down in the country. You know, uh, uh, for the guys that have been to Dream Hill down in the bottom, uh, we used to go, just a lot of work to go down there and bush hog, and, and then you go in there and use the disc and all that and plant green fields and, and stuff in order to, to see deer. And yet, here's these deer just there. You know, they're just right there perfectly at home and just and enjoying themselves. Uh, the work uh, to try to entice them to come in the country, though, uh, often comes with some... Uh, uh, some pits. Uh, in other words, there's, there are opportunities in which I have jumped in many of those opportunities to get stuck. Uh, on rainy seasons like this, it's very wet down in the bottom. Matter of fact, we can't get down there now. But I can't tell you the number of times when I was going to do uh, what needed to be done that I would just bury and get stuck that big four-wheel drive tractor and there was no getting out of it. And, uh, you know, if you can get stuck or, you know, you can get a four-wheel stuff, but when you get a big, bad, you know, four-wheel tractor, you know, with a back end, you know, and a front end loader and all that, you're stuck. You, I mean, that, that's, I mean, there's no getting out of it uh, at that particular point um, from what you can do. You've got to get a lot of outside help. Now, why am I telling you all that? Uh, so you'll feel sorry. No, we need some, never mind. All right, so... Uh, <clears throat> It just frustrated me seeing those deer out there. I just need you to know that. Um, uh, I say that story to say this. Uh, not only we get stuck just doing, you know, on a tractor, but we can often get stuck in life. You have been in those pits. It may be a relational pit. It may be an emotional pit. Uh, it may be a financial pit. Uh, it, it may be some... Uh, aspect of life, some crisis in your life, something uh, that you've done or something that's been done to you. 
And it's in those pits that we find out that often that, you know, there's nothing we can do to get out of it. Try as we may, but we need help. We need help in order to get through those pits of life. And it's in those pits that oftentimes that we don't experience the peace that Jesus says that He came to give to us that we should have in Him. Jesus says, you know, I came that you may have peace and, you know, and, and the way that I give peace is not the way of the world. It's not conditioned on circumstances. My peace is constant. And so today I want us to look at God's path to peace, to experiencing the peace of God, even when we've experienced the pits of life, of crisis, our disappointments, our hardships, whatever it may be that's come into your life or to my life. And there are, there are different phases and stages that we go through whenever, uh, you know, we can, we can be shocked, we can be disappointed, we can be angry, we can be frustrated, you know, well, we can be in disbelief that we find ourselves in that, in that particular position. But when it comes to experiencing what God wants us to, and to know, uh, His peace, God's path to peace really comes with, and it's the first blank there on your outline, God's path to peace comes with surrender. In order for you and me to experience the peace that God wants us to have, the joy that He wants us to have, the okayness with life, the power for living, it comes with surrender. There's no way to really experience it apart from surrender our lives, surrendering our lives to God. And so whatever pain, whatever disappointment, whatever you've done in, in your life and what's happened in your life, wherever you may find yourself, some of you have gone through those crises and you understand this. Uh, some of you are going through uh, a time of difficulty now, disappointment or a crisis or whatever it may, it may be uh, in, in your life right now. Or if you haven't, you're going to. We all face those within our life. And so the reality is when we find ourselves uh, really you know, hit below the belt, when we find ourselves at a, at a place that we really don't uh, like being, when we feel stuck, uh, really, we have three choices. These things can destroy us. And you've seen that happen in people's lives. These things can define us to where it becomes the defining thing in someone's life or it can develop you into being and experiencing God as He wants you to experience. So we're going to look at this passage from uh, King David in the Bible where he lost his son. I mean, this was he is in a, in a place of despair. He's in a place of sorrow. He's in this pit, if you would. And, and as, we, as we look at this particular passage, you know, you may go, well, how is this going to help us uh, today understanding God's path to peace? Well, look at this next uh, verse there on your outline and here on the screen. It says in Romans uh, 15, 4, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in His promises. And you own your outline, you might just want to circle that, that word hope. You know, these stories in the Bible, what God has given us in the Bible isn't just for information. They're not just stories. But these are to allow us to see, you know, either how God would have us to respond, or in many instances, we also see, then this is what's so beautiful about Scripture, how not to respond. We see examples of, of how not to respond. But we see this process in King David's life that allowed him to experience God's peace in a very tragic uh, and a critical moment 
in his life. So I want you to read along with me. Now this, this actually is something that is a result of you know, sin in David's life. Now there are things that you and I encounter that it may be uh, due to it's this consequences from some of our choices or our actions and some of the pits that we find ourselves in have absolutely nothing to do with what we've done. It's stuff that's been done to us. But we come and we see that um, David had a son, a baby boy that had been born. And uh, he was uh, sick and dying and uh, beginning with verse 16, we see David's response to what's going on. It says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. Paul, hit the pause button there. Think about the hurt when things maybe in a, in a critical time of loss or something when, you know, those, those thoughts of desperation have, have entered your mind. He may do something desperate. Verse 19, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked? Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground and after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And then he went into his own house, and at their request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. And he answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live, but now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went with her and slept with her, and she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon, and the Lord loved him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come to you today and we thank you for your love. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You uh, as we come and sit Jesus at Your feet that Your promise is to reveal truth, to shine Your light. And so we just ask that You would give us hearts uh, that are responsive to You and, and to, Lord, Your leadership. May we today experience the peace that only You can bring. And may it be all for Your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's here in this particular passage, there's six things I just want to point out uh, that, that were responses of David that, uh, allowed, that allowed him to take these steps of this process of surrender and experiencing God's peace. And the truth of the matter is that there are some of you here today, there's stuff that you've been praying for, you've been, you've been praying for a whole long, you know, just all your life that it wouldn't happen, but it's happened. And so you're devastated, you're disappointed. There are others of you who have been praying that things would not, ha you know, there are things that would happen, and they have not happened. And so you're just, your faith is flat, and you're just kind of going, you're struggling with God and, and, and what's going on in your life. 
But it's here in this, in, in this example of King David that we see six responses that may and allow you and me to walk through this process of surrendering our life to the Lord. And the first one is this, accept what cannot be changed. Accept what cannot be changed. That's really the first step to our surrendering our life to the Lord. You know, when David received uh, this bad news, you know, and when we are, you know, it's, it's likely that he went through the same thing that we do when we feel, you know, at a loss, uh, shock, you know, uh, or grief, whatever the case may be. Uh, and when we often hear bad news, you know, that's what we do. We just go, I, no, 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 it can't be true. There's this shock. There's the disbelief of it. But slowly the reality starts setting in and we can't deny it. What is going on in our life? The situation that we find, you, I never thought I would find myself here. I never thought that I would have to experience this, whatever, whatever circumstance it may be. But here's what David did in, in, in uh, these verses here. It says, David said, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I thought perhaps the Lord would be gracious and let the child live, but why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? So basically, what the, all this is saying is that David just accepted that reality. Do you know, do you know uh, that's not just a given. How many times have we found ourselves in the reality of whatever the experience is, whatever the crisis is, whatever the loss is, and, and we find ourselves in denial rather than embracing what the reality of it, the truth, instead of accepting that this is where things are. This is where my life is. I don't like it. Uh, you know, I am desperate because of it, but I accept this is where things are. So David's son has died and, and, and he goes, you know, I, I can't do anything about that. I mean, this is true. He is dead. Acceptance doesn't mean you stop caring. Acceptance doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Acceptance doesn't mean uh, that you, you, you don't even think it's good or bad. I mean, acceptance is just embracing the reality of it. So you might want to write this question down in order for us to, to, to make this more applicable to our own lives and asking this question, you know, what do I need to accept that cannot be changed? When it comes to what do I need to accept in my life that cannot be changed? You know, how many times have there been, you know, you know, a job loss and going, you know, maybe they'll still call me back, but, you know, or, or, or relationship loss or maybe even a death. What do I need to accept that cannot be changed? This is the current reality. And we don't want to uh, often because of, of what it defines in our future, but, but we're going to see that that doesn't define our future. What in my life do I need to accept that cannot be changed? Again, it, it could be any number of things. It could have been the result of something that was done. It could be the result of a big mistake of some stupid choices in your life. What do I need to accept that cannot be changed? And so that's the first, that's the first step in this process of surrender, except what cannot be changed. Secondly, remember it's not the end of the story. Remember it's not the end of the story. Once you've been blindsided, and it could be the devastating loss of a loved one. It could, it, any number of things. Understand this. It's not the end of the story. Uh, David was able to focus on it. He says, I will, not, I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. You know, David embraces this reality. He understood and accepted that, you know, his son would never be on earth again. But, see, he had this hope because of the promise of God that this is not the end of the story. No, not by a long shot. 
Uh, when you find yourself in a pit uh, because of what has happened, of some tragedy in life, you know, of some disappointment, a sense of despair, remember it's not the end of the story. Why? Because of what God says, His promises. David knew that. He proclaimed that. And, and any time that we are processing through grief or disappointment, you know, one of the most challenging transitions is, is moving to look to the future. Look at what God has in the future because we're so devastated by what's going on in our life right now. Jerry uh, Sitzer has written a book, uh, Grace Disguised. Anybody read that? Grace Disguised. He lost his mother, his wife, and his, and his four-year-old daughter in a car accident. And he says this when talking about looking toward the future. He says, how could I conceive a future without them? The very thought was abhorrent to me. Whenever I thought of the future, I still found them there. there were, they were never going to be there. Which only made me more aware of how devastating my loss was. I remembered a past that included people that I did not want to give up. And I imagined a future that excluded people that I desperately wanted to keep. So what do we do? What do we do when we get stuck in, in this present? We come and we allow God to, to, to move us past this limbo land, to, to move past the present and to move past the past and surrender, surrender where things are to the Lord. You know, we surrender in this process as we think of the future that God has for us. Uh, the loss is not changing, but what God does, does. But so often we find ourselves, again, just rinse, lather, and repeat. We're just circling the wagons and, and grieving over them. But God wants us to remember it's not the end of the story. That God is a magnificent God, a big God. Uh, many of you, I'm sure you've got that. How many use the uh, uh, Sarah Young's Jesus Calling? It's a little devotional. You know, it's written, it's written from the standpoint of how God is speaking to her as she's reading through the Scriptures. It's much like when we were going through 40 days of prayer and we were just camping out on a verse and saying, what did God say to you? You know, camping out on that, not just reading through it, but what is God saying to you in this particular moment through uh, His living, breathing Word? And so that's the context from which uh, she... Uh, uh, she is writing this devotional. And so she says this about, about the future. Listen to this. She says, Your future looks uncertain and feels flimsy, even precarious. Now the, again, this is from God's standpoint to her. Uh, that is how it should be. Secret things belong to the Lord. And future things are secret things. When you try to figure out the future, you're gra grasping at things that are mine, Jesus says. This is like all forms of worry... It is an act of rebellion doubting my promises to care for you. Wow. It is an act of rebellion doubting my promises to care for you. Whenever you find yourselves worrying about the future, Jesus says, repent and return to me and I will show you the next step forward and the one after that and the one after that. Relax and experience the journey in my presence trusting me to open the way before you as I go. So you see, it's a surrender. You know, worry while waiting slanders every promise of God. And yet we're so prone to worry. In order for us to experience God's peace, we, we need to accept those things that cannot be changed, but we also need to acknowledge 
you know, that this is not the end of the story because of the promises and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Third step we see in this process, take care of yourself. Well, that just looks pretty practical, doesn't it? Have you ever been so devastated you didn't care about taking care of yourself? Huh? Yeah, you ever been so distraught you didn't care about taking care of yourself? Um, but this is exactly what, what it says. It says, Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, and put on lotions and changed his clothes. Now, you know, those are just ordinary activities. Uh, take a bath, change clothes. Uh, that's what you do every day, brush your teeth. Uh, except for whenever you are devastated or whenever you've gone through a significant loss or you're, in, you're stuck and in a pit. Um, it, those things don't come as naturally. You know, when you're in grief or you're suffering, you know, uh, you're, the, the process goes, well, you, you know, who cares, you know, uh, what I wear? You know, who cares, you know, if I took a bath? Well, some of us do, but um, you, you've, if you've ever experienced it, you know. Who cares if I brush my teeth? You know, and these, these practical things uh, uh, are affected in our life. And so one part of placing our faith and trusting God, looking to Him, is just take care of yourself. It's, a ste- it's really a step of faith. Um, d- just those practical sleeping can become a challenge. Exercise, you know. And whenever, whenever you're in the pit, whenever you're stuck, it seems like the, the stupidest thing to do, you know, to go out. I mean, because you don't want to do it. It's just, it, it doesn't make sense. But all of these things uh, are ways of helping us to move out of the paralysis of what's happened in our life. And so we see David giving us a concrete example here in this particular passage. You know, he had accepted what couldn't be changed. Uh, he couldn't bring his child back to him. Uh, he knew this wasn't the end of the story and that each day here was just one more day before he would be reunited with his son. But he was willing to live within that tension of both mourning and living. He just did the practical things of taking care of himself. And um, you go, I, I don't get it. It's just it's one part of just surrender uh, to the Lord. Number four, refocus on God through worship. Refocus on God through worship. And part of the process of even surrendering our life, accepting what cannot be changed, uh, coming and remembering this is not the end of the story. God's, God created us for eternity. He's a lot bigger than that. Uh, we take care of ourselves. We, we do the practical things. But we refocus on God through worship. Look what it says. It said, Then David went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Also look at that verse in uh, Psalm 73, 16 and 17, which gives some perspective. It says, I tried to understand all this, but it was too hard for me to see until I went to the temple of God, then I understood. What's he saying there? Only God can give us perspective. You know, we can get the comfort of other people and often we need that, especially in times of crisis, in times of loss. Uh, but ultimately, it's God that gives us His perspective and His peace in the midst of this. David knew that worship could expand his spiritual insight and the understanding. And so he just headed straight there even in the midst of his grief. 
The temptation so often is during our times of loss or when we're stuck or when we're frustrated or we're disappointed, when we're overwhelmed, is just to tuck tail and run from God, to get as far away in the other direction as we can. You know, and somehow back there, there's this thought that, you know, for, for some reason that God, you know, was responsible. You know, and so we're mad and we're angry, we're shocked, we're heartbroken, we're disappointed, and we run. You know, all of these emotions are okay. God can handle those. But ultimately, we must make us take this step by faith to step in to our worship and encounter of acknowledging God. These emotions, if we allow them to stay, have a way of clouding us, keeping us in a fog and keeping us from experiencing the insight and the truth and the present that God wants us to experience and to have within our life. So here is uh, uh, David just saying, I'm, I'm going to just press into the Lord. I'm, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. And the last thing you feel like doing is that, but he's going, that's the choice. That's the step of surrender that I'm going to make. Uh, just recently, a couple of days ago, someone sent me. I'm always getting uh, people sending me these these songs. You know, uh, oh, listen to this, listen to this. And and uh, just a week or so ago, someone sent me the song "Praise Before My Breakthrough." But normally, praise before my breakthrough, and, and really, that is the order of it because that's a step of faith. You know, it's like I don't feel like it. I need a breakthrough, and after you give me my breakthrough, Lord, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna praise you. No, but praise before my breakthrough. That's a step of faith. That's trusting Him. All right, number five. Do something productive. It's in these times of sorrows, in these times of loss, in these times when we're devastated, in these times when we're hurting, uh, when we, again, the cloud is there. You know, it's like, uh, just, I, I don't feel like doing anything. Uh, when, when we're disappointed, when we're stuck in, in sorrow and sadness, you know, Part of the surrender is just simply doing it. Just do something productive. Um, we see that in, in this verse is that after that he returned to the palace and ate. Uh, so what do we? What do, what do we? Hey, how productive is that for most of us? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's not that. But you know, he returned to the palace there. I mean, because that's where he worked. You know, that was his place of productivity. And again. And I encourage people, especially after a time of loss, is listen, I know, I know how devastating, but part of God, the surrendering process to God is to, to keep on with life because it's not the end of the story. To keep on, to continue to press into Him. Um, you know, one person put it like this, I don't have to stop mourning in order to start moving. I don't have to stop grieving in order to stop start going you know it's just pressing on how in faith in trust why because we believe that god has the end of the story he is the end of the story but in order to do that it does require faith instead of giving up and so many people give up it requires faith to move forward and with the lord i got a pastor by the name of paul cunningham out of oklahoma um several years ago uh big church out there had a stroke and he lost all feeling in his left side completely all feeling uh, you know couldn't talk and all that kind of stuff so he went through all the rehab and you know and he was wondering you know you know am i ever ever going to be able to preach again am i going to be able to play golf again am i ever going to you know be able to to walk again um 
So he was going through the process of rehab, and the guy said, I'm going to teach you to walk. His therapist said, I'm going to teach you how to walk with a walker. And then after that, I'm going to teach you how to walk, you know, without the walker. And so, you know, it was an arduous process, weeks and weeks of this. And so he came to the place to where, you know, he said, all right, today we're going to learn to walk without the walker. And so he removed the walker. The therapist removed the walker. And he said, all right, I want you to walk. And he didn't move. He goes, the therapist said, why aren't you moving? He said, I'm afraid. He goes, well, why, why are you afraid? He goes, because I can't feel my left leg. You know, if I didn't look at it, I would and look down at it, I wouldn't even believe that it's there. But he goes, well, trust it, because it's going to do it. Trust it. And the verse that came to him was Second Corinthians five seven. And matter of fact, it is a verse that that was just his anchor verse throughout this recovery time. It was Second Corinthians five seven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And he said that particular example of him going, I don't feel it. I, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, it just doesn't even feel like it's there. But, you know, I've got to take that step. Because the therapist said, it will hold you up. Just just walk. And so they went through the process of doing that. And he's back and he's back playing golf. He's back preaching. And he still can't feel his left side. But every day he's reminded what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by feeling. And the more that you walk and the more that you trust it, you know, that left leg, he said, the more confident you're going to get in it. Trust Him. So here's a question that really comes for for all of us this morning is this. Where do you need to take a step of faith? Where do you need to take a step of faith? Where's God saying, hey, listen, I want you to trust me in this. I I want you to trust what I am doing. You know, and, and you get to that point to say, yeah, I am I am still grieving, but I'm going to get going. I'm hurting, but I'm going to start healing. I'm going to surrender this fear to God. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Grief doesn't paralyze us, but fear does. Well, one last step that we got as far as uh, experiencing God's peace in our life in this process of surrender. Keep loving in your pain. Keep loving in your pain. Uh and in spite of what's going on, he's saying, I want you to allow me to love through you. So often, whenever we've been hurt or when we've been rejected or when our love's been spurned or when we lose a loved one or some, somebody just walks away, walks out of our life, you know, is to build walls around ourselves. And yet, this is a step of surrender. This is like, instead of self-protection, this is God trust. So often, when we are deeply hurt, or when we lose a loved one, we can say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to let anybody get that close to me ever again. And God says, really? Really? No, I want you to keep loving even in the midst of your pain. In that particular passage, it says, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he slept with her, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. Well, it's a good thing that he kept loving because what happened after that was Solomon, you know, the wisest man that ever lived and how God blessed so many through His life. Uh, just a practical example. Uh, Mother Teresa, I read somewhere this past week that she said this, I've found a paradox that if you love until it hurts, then there can be no more hurt and only more love. Jesus Christ knows exactly what it's like to love in the middle of pain because He demonstrated that. 
Jesus has demonstrated for me and you that you know it's not when you feel like it. Love is much greater than that. Love is something that comes from God. As a matter of fact, this verse, this next verse here on your outline, we know what real love is because Christ gave up His life for us. So we all, uh, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Um, in this particular passage, we see that it's a process. It's, it's God just gives us His Word to see a process of what it looks like to surrender. And each one of these steps is an act of surrender. In order for us to experience the identity that we have in Christ, the salvation, the freedom that we have in Christ, it comes always through surrender. Surrendering our life to Him. Not counting our life as our own, just as Jesus said, this is what I live up. I will lay it down. And then when God comes and He gives you His peace and He fills you with Himself and His hope and His presence, revealing that there's a much, much bigger picture in mind, then you're able to share that with those that God brings into your life. To be able to share the hope and the good news and the grace and the love that comes only through Jesus Christ. Some of us this morning... We're in need of peace. We're just kind of unsettled. We're not experiencing that peace of God. He reminds us here that it's available, but it starts with a surrender. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to You today. And we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this passage that reminds us of the experience that David had. The disappointment, the pain. And Lord, some of us uh, have been locked down by pain or disappointment in our lives. Maybe there's... Uh, an issue that just kept us stuck for quite a while. Lord, I pray today that through Your abiding and amazing presence that we would come before You and that we would surrender. That we would repent of, of, of maximizing or overshadowing Your grace uh, with, with our pain. That we placed it above Your loving kindness and your goodness and your purpose and your plan for our life. Lord, I pray that you give us your perspective today. I pray that today, Lord, that you would bring to to each of our hearts uh, an awareness of just how, how much you care for us, how much you love us, that you would truly help us to see uh, that death was arrested and that our life can begin only in You. You may be here this morning and, and, and you've, you've, you're still not sure about your relationship with the Lord. I want to encourage you today to acknowledge the love that Jesus has for you and open your life to Him to surrender every aspect of your life to Him because your freedom, your, the abundant life, the everlasting life, it starts with surrender. Surrender your fears. Surrender your uh, failures. Surrender your frustrations. Surrender every every your life, your past, even, even your future, and, and allow Him to bring about His love, His redemption, and His peace. And it's by simply just acknowledging that He is knocking on the, your heart's door and surrendering your will and asking that His be done. Perhaps you're a believer here this morning and, 
and you you've been stuck for quite a while and 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 you you've not been living and enjoying the peace of God even in the midst of difficulty and yet today he's just pointed out maybe that there's just been a a reluctance to surrender through some of these practical steps you know perhaps uh you've just you've not really accepted the reality of what's going on and just said lord i know this is the way it is but you have a plan and a purpose that's even greater than the reality. Perhaps you're stuck and, and not willing to move into the future. And, and by doing so, you're not allowing Him to, to reveal the, the rest of the story. Maybe you've not been taking care of yourself or maybe you, you've been reluctant to worship. Praise before the breakthrough. Or just some of the practical things that, that are responsibilities just because of your place in life. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to return and do those things. But above all, just keep loving. First and foremost, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever He's calling you to do today, I want to invite you to do that as we close this morning. Father, thank You again. And we ask that today that we would experience a peace that passes all understanding because of our trust and our faith to follow you, to do that for which you lead us through your Holy Spirit. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.